0: Hi there, I'm David Berkeley. My book is called The Free Brontosaurus, and it's a companion project to my new album, which is called Cardboard Boat.
1: And I am S.W. Loudon, but you can call me Steve to save on confusion. I write the Greg Salem Mystery Series. The first book in that series, which came out last November, was Bad Citizen Corporation. And the second book in that series, which just came out in October of this year, is called Grizzly Season.
0: Awesome. Good to talk to you, Steve.
1: It's great to talk to you. Are you in New Mexico right now?
0: I am. I'm in uh, Santa Fe. You're in LA. I take it.
1: Yeah. In fact, I'm I'm sitting at my desk at work. So if my boss comes in, I'll have to put you on mute and uh, do whatever he tells me to do. Oh.
0: <laughs> is your is boss uh, a child? Because that's my situation. If my kid comes yeah, in, yeah, uh...
1: <laughs> yeah, I, it, and it, do you... I work at a really strange. I work at a strange toy company where eight-year-olds <laughs> are, yeah. uh, are the people in charge of my fate day to day. It's it's really unnerving, but a lot of fun actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a that sounds a very similar. Uh, and do you have a drum kit uh, beside your desk as well?
1: You know, I, um, I do have a drum kit in a rehearsal space downtown. I don't get to visit it as much these days as I would like to or that I once did. But it makes me feel good to know that it's there. And, and uh, I have a smaller drum kit in my garage where my, my kids can, you know, bang around on it when they're not bothering the neighbors too much. But uh, they, uh, the, my older kid so far has been more interested in guitar and keyboard. And I keep telling her, go, go, go. You don't want to be the drummer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I like picturing you basically with with like instead of a tom, you know, the second tom, it's just a typewriter.
1: That's what I'm <laughs> <in>, imagining. <laughs> you could well, well I was just watching the YouTube video of of the making of Cardboard Boat, um the the record that you did that is a companion to the Free Bronosaurus and your your percussionist in this video is incredible. Like I think uh, almost every shot is him doing some kind of percussion away from the trap kit. Um, and you yeah. made a comment in the video that, that he's, that he had a really unique approach, like what, and that you didn't know him prior to recording with him.
0: It's true. I didn't. Uh, and I mean, first of all, and you, you might, might know this as well, but like, you know, visually it is so much more engaging to watch what you do than, than say what I do. <laughs> so it was, it was hard when choosing between shots to not be looking at him the whole time. Cause it's so cool. Um, but yeah, we, um, I, I, play music with a lot of different people. And, um, and one of them was this great bass player named Todd Sikafus, uh, who plays with Arnie DeFranco among other people. And he had always been trying to hook me up with, with Matthias. Um, and so finally we got to, we got to do this project together. Um, but yeah, he arrived, you know, with a whole um, arsenal of things and then found a guy in town here who had a similar array of weird sounds. And, um, yeah, he took up basically half the studio with those things. It was pretty fun. Did,
1: so did it looked like he actually had constructed some of the, the percussion that he was using Did did like, so was that some of that stuff handmade that he was using to make sound?
0: Some of them, but a lot of them were, were things that these guys that have that kind of sonic bent youth, like that weird, like hubcap of keys. <laughs> you know, I don't even know who, who made that, but, it, but you know, he didn't make that on the spot. That's something that, that, he brings, yeah. I mean, he had all sorts of crazy things. It's pretty cool. And also like watching him, you know, he, he would use his body for, for sounds and, um, even his mouth at times. He just, just use everything he could, he could find. It was pretty exciting.
1: I, I, I've often used my body's, my body to fling into drum sets when I was younger, but it wasn't for anything but more than a dramatic effect during a live show, not for <laughs> anything percussive. Yeah,
0: that's the advantage of playing the kind of music you play versus what I play. I think if I did something like that, it would be it would be the end. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, but I mean, at this point in my life, I'm stooped over and completely locked up because <laughs> I've destroyed all of my um, all my joints. Uh, tell me, I, you know, I was I was super. I, I just read Free Bonosaurus, and and I really loved it because um, I love the approach of. Basically, uh, a series of vignettes about individual characters that revolve around a couple of running themes. But um, yeah. I was, you know, I didn't know going in that there was a companion piece, and it was it was a matter of discovery for me. And then I was really excited. I was like, oh, there's this whole record. So, can you tell me a little bit about like ha- the process for this? Um, did you write the songs for Cardboard Boat first, or did you write? The book first and decide that it needed to have a soundtrack like what was your process to to make those two contending
0: pieces i I went in intending to make a a double project and uh and that was partly because i I wrote a book that had a soundtrack earlier about four years ago i wrote a book called 140 goats on a guitar which was more of a straight up memoir about uh, an album that i had written and so it was sort of telling the stories behind the songs and uh in doing that I kinda got excited about this combination of stories and, and songs and had thought the real the real way to, to approach this is is through fiction as opposed to it being, you know, relatively autobiographical songs and then autobiography. Who needs that? <laughs> but uh but if I could kind of, you know, weave a world of characters and then choose to give Certain parts away in, in prose and then other parts away in song, that was kind of what I was aiming for and in general, I wrote the stories first, although um, i I kind of did have the guitar and and the, and the keyboard at, 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 you know in front of me at the same time and there were there were a number of times where I, I was going nowhere with the story, and then I would work on the song and that would kind of free me up emotionally and then i 'd kind of come back to the story sometimes I found myself able to write a, a lyric that uh, allowed me to give the character a new detail about his life or her life that I, for whatever reason, wasn't able to come up with, uh, you know, as I was just writing the, the book, but somehow in the space of coming up with a song, I could be more free creatively. Uh, so there was a little bit of back and forth, um, but in general, it was story first, and then how do I give this character a song? What would this character want to sing? Um, you know, and also knowing knowing that I wanted to or that I was going to give these characters a song, um, it allowed me to be a little less uh, heavy-handed, maybe with the, with the writing. Um, you know, I think if I if I wasn't going to get to pour some emotion into them in another in another area, I might have wanted to give more in the writing. And 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 for me, at least, that I think that was a good thing. It was, a, it, was it helped me to be maybe slightly more subtle, or at least try to be more subtle in my writing.
1: Well, that's—I mean—that's—that's that's really interesting to me, right? Because I think reading it and then seeing that there was a companion record that goes along with the book, um, I would have just assumed—and I think I did assume—that the songs were a reflection of the stories being told. But the way you're describing it, uh, you kind of can't get a whole sense for the emotional makeup of the individual characters unless you read the story and hear the song. Like you're only getting a piece of them if you only do one of the other.
0: I think so, but, you know, I mean, I think that, I hope that you have a, a, that if you just read the book, that you would feel a a sort of complete, uh, you know, completion, but definitely for me, you're missing a large component if you don't get the music, and and one of the interesting things that I didn't expect, um, I I sometimes joke about this on stage, but I, I have this, this Pet peeve about authors who talk about their characters as if they're real people. You know, I, I find that uh, a little bit strange and, and slightly twisted. <laughs> Forgive me if you if you were about to do that when I asked you a question, but um, you know, but 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 I find myself when I get to sing. So all of the stories are written in the third person. All of the songs are first person songs. So I basically embody the character as I sing, and I I actually feel like I'm I'm giving my characters a gift by getting to sing these songs and, I, and I'm falling into the same damn trap that I, that I hate. Um, but there are places like there's, there's one, the, the final story uh, pairs with, with a song called to the sea that the songs and stories aren't sequenced in the same order, making this project that much more complicated. But um, <laughs> that's for me, <laughs> that that's for me a perfect example of, of um, it's a really emotional song, uh, which is about this daughter coming home to her father. And you know, there are moments in the story that I think hit you, but the song really hits people. And, um, and so that for me is like, it's, you know, it's this, it's this, it is, it ends up being a gift basically to these, to these fictional people (laughs) that I created.
1: Well, so that, that's really fascinating to me because, you know, one of the things in writing a series, like writing the first book is, is you'll understand is akin to writing your first record, you know, the, the old yarn is that you have your, a lifetime to write your first record and a year to write your second <laughs> record. And, right, right. and uh, you know, I, I wrote Bad Citizen Corporation, uh, really assuming it was just a thing that I wanted to do. Like, I had the story I wanted to tell. It made sense in my head. Um, I knew the subject matter well enough that it wasn't going to be like any kind of a research stretch. And I really thought it was going to be a pet project of mine that I didn't really have a lot of aspiration to publish beyond self-publishing, which is, not to say that self-publishing is bad, but that I was just going to literally right. give it to some friends and maybe put it up on Amazon and call it a day um, because yeah. I wanted to write this story. And and as I was writing it and I got more involved and you know, started talking to other people who had published and uh, got a sense of the publishing community and saw the similarities to the, the music world that I had come from, uh, but then the dissimilarities that gave me a little bit of hope that it wouldn't just be the same experience over again that I'd already had mm-hmm. a couple of times. I got energized by the idea of like, oh, I like making art that, that you can um, put out in the world and feel proud to go out and tell people about however you're going to do that. And, you know, um, it just kind of sparked that like that hustle in me to like, you know, want to be proud of my artwork. And and so I wrote the book and, and, and I got it published uh, with Rare Bird. Um, which is your publisher and mine. And, and then um, I had to write the second book, and that ended up being a completely different challenge, right? Because now I've set this character up, and I've set up expectations for the character, whether or not they're only in my head or in the heads of people who've read the book. But now I've got this character that I'm like, well, is that consistent with what I said in the first book? And, you know, it just it became this, uh, a little bit of a trap for me. But one of the beautiful things that came out of that, and I'm almost, I've always been embarrassed to talk about it, but since you broached the the subject, I'm going to bring it up, is that there was a point in the second book when, when I felt free to kind of just start writing again and not concerned with, you know, uh, whether or not the continuity was in place or how people were going to judge it based on the first book, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, was when I felt like the character, Greg Salem, really took on a life of his own. And I had this moment of feeling like I was just transcribing his story now and I wasn't <coughs> making it up as I went along. And and I've been told by other authors that that is just uh, a matter of, you know, getting so deep into the character and 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 digging in and doing the work that it starts to feel that way. And I'm just describing it that way, because obviously I'm, I'm still creating the character as I write. But he really did come to life for me. But I'm always afraid to, like, talk about him in the third person or, like you <laughs> yeah. know, like, yeah. introduce him as my friend or, you know, I, I've seen <laughs> authors braver than me, like, interview their character on their blog. And I'm like, I, you know, that seems like a... Funny, quirky idea, but um, it's not something that I've often shared. So thank you for letting me get that off my chest.
0: Yeah. Well. So I, I, first of all, I think you should interview him because I think that's a genius idea, and uh, <laughs> and, I, um, and I, I love I love that because I, I mean I think it's a similar thing that it, it it for me it took the songs for you it took the second book I guess but to actually really believe that these characters were were real and start to feel for them in the way that maybe a better author would, would straight out of the gate. I don't know. Um, but I did have a question for you about that. So you're saying that you wrote that first book with no, no idea of it being a series. And, and when you finished that book, you know, you, you felt complete and potentially done at that
1: point. I went into it thinking that that was going to be the case. And I think that that was just a matter of me doing a sort of a, a one-day-at-a-time thing to myself because I couldn't mm-hmm. imagine finishing a book with everything else I had going on. Um, But, yeah. you know, in reality, I kind of had, I really had a three-book story arc planned out. But if mm-hmm. I tried to sit down and write, you know, sit down and write uh, 250,000 words, one, nobody was going to read it, um, and two, <laughs> um, I, I would still be writing it now, right? Because I, w- I would have to have experienced all those things in the deeper, I don't know about your process, But the deeper I get into a book, the harder it is for me. Because, you know, But part of that is because I have to make the mystery make sense, right? So it's like everything I change has this butterfly effect backwards where like, oh, it's not a gun, it's a knife. Oh, God, now I have to change every time I mention a gun, (laughs) you know. Um, And so in reality, this story that I originally conceived ended up being the template for the three planned books for the Greg Salem series. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, you, you spoke a little bit about this, but um, this was an issue for me a little bit, but I, I just wonder about that. Like, you know, coming back to a project, I assume you didn't take much of a break. You probably got right into it, but, but I mean, up until that point, when, when Greg started to sort of be be real on his own, like, you know, how hard was it to, to keep the voice consistent? And, and, and did you, I mean, is there any trick for that for you or is it just about, you know, I don't know, knowing the character well enough that you can really speak authentically as him.
1: Um, that's a great question. I think at my my uh, lowest point in trying to write the second book, I actually stopped and went and reread Bad Citizen Corporation to reacquaint yeah. myself. Um, and yeah. I found that really helped. The other thing is, is I think, you know, as is probably true with anything that you want to create, um, I think you just have to get to a point where you're not trying to write like yourself and you're just writing, you know, because I wasn't conscious of any of this. When I wrote the first book, I was just kind of writing down this cool story that I had in my head, right. And trying to, trying to minimize expectations about what it should or could be. Um, And I I think I needed to get back to that place to feel a little free around the character. And at least so far, what I've found is when I get to that place, then, uh, my writing uh is a bit more authentic and I think Greg's voice rings true. Um so I'm I'm writing the third book now and I'm trying to be a lot more like I'm trying to uh hang on loosely hang on loosely but not let it go. <laughs> right.
0: Right. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I I've been asked by some people whether I would, you know, revisit these characters in my in my book and, and um you know, I don't I don't totally feel the need to do that. Um but i but i do i would anticipate it, it might be challenging for me <laughs> to do so and i would definitely have to reread it for sure um but yeah that's interesting
1: well, huh well yeah i mean you know uh one of the things i wanted to follow up when we were talking about earlier was um you know i mean i don't i don't imagine that you would ever dictate to anybody how they are supposed to um encounter uh, your art but but i wonder Uh, If there's a uh, preferred way that you think people should digest it, do you want them to read the story and then listen to that song or, uh, or just kind of do whatever they feel is right for them?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, as, as you well know, I'm just happy if people, if people approach any of my work and have some time to to listen or or read it, but uh, you know, in an ideal world, I would want someone to listen to my record straight through and then read the book straight through and then try to, Figure out the puzzle and figure out what goes with what. Um, I think that the music. I still, you consider myself a songwriter before an author, and uh, and I think that the music brings you into this sort of emotional, slightly bizarre world. Um, And then, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily want people to break the flow so much of the book. the The connections between the stories, I think, are pretty obvious. But if you read it real episodic and listen to music and then walk away for a bunch, you, you probably miss a lot of the connections. Um, and I think it's cooler to, to get as many of the, of the weaving, um, as possible. And then, you know, and then go back and listen to the songs. And, you know, part of the reason that I didn't sequence it in the same order, um, well, one, I I don't think it would have made a good record if I did, uh, just, you know, I care about that stuff, even if people don't listen to records full, full straight through anymore. But, um... And also that I you know, I, I wanted people to have to think a little. Um and also some of the songs could pair with multiple stories. I mean, they definitely pair with a single story. That's that's what I did. But a lot of these issues that the characters are dealing with, loneliness and alienation and not fitting in properly and um, you know, looking for what redeems them and what can make life worth living, those are kind of the themes of all the songs anyway. Um, you know, so that's part of the cool thing is when people make a mistake and they're like, Oh, this song pairs with that and they're like, No, actually, but but great, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny that you brought up uh, some of the themes that are in the book and in the record, uh, because as I was reading it, and again, this is before I realized there was a record, I was reminded of, uh, the point by Nelson. Uh, are you familiar with mm. that record and that story? Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. I've never really thought about that in relation. Um, but, but yeah, that's a cool, that's a cool reference. Um,
1: well, huh. it's a it's a record I have that I still play for my kids. You know, I mean, they really dig me and my arrow, obviously. But just the whole idea of like the land of point, and you're the one kid who's got a round head, and so you don't fit in. Um, yeah, is you know, yeah. you're kind of looking for that connection. Which a lot of the characters, I mean, uh, you, it's funny how immediately, at least I could relate to uh, the character of Russell, the the character of Eliza, right. the character of George, right. the character of Lucy. Um, and I love, I love the opening and closing, uh, with the Russell and the continuation yeah. into the Lucy story. But I gotta tell you, like bizarrely, the character that I really loved the most, most was George and, and his fascination with that bridge being built because was yeah. such a beautiful cool. symbol for what he's trying to do. You know? Yeah. He he wants connection. He wants the, the disparate parts of his life to have some connectivity, some, you know, some yeah. parody. And, and I don't know why I could relate to that because I don't really think I'm that character, but, um, when when you were writing that piece, like, it, do you did did you have f- favorite characters in the book, or did, were there <laughs> characters that like you could write in fifteen minutes, whereas another character might have taken you three days to write? Yeah, I mean, that's
0: a great question too, and uh, you know, I actually, I, I want to answer a slightly different one, and then I I want to ask you something instead, <laughs> which is, um, I you know, one of the interesting things for me, um, about about that question is like you know and and I do this with my songs a lot is like I I I kind of I'll feel something and then I kind of bring it to a a greater extreme than I actually feel um you know and and to be able to sort of see it more clearly uh and I think with these characters that's sort of what I did I you know we all feel that kind of disconnect and we all for whatever reason have had had breaks in our lives that, that we're trying to mend. Um, and, and so for, but, but I, you know, I, I have, thank God having my wife has, has not cheated on me and left me and all this stuff. And so, you know, George is dealing with a far more extreme and acute version of that, you know, and, and, and so a lot of the writing of, of this book for me, and, and this is what I sort of want to get at with you is, was, is like, trying to sort of take the logical conclusion of things that, uh, you know, if this thing got really bad in my life what would it look like and what would i look like with that you know and and i was just curious about you know how you approach i mean it, i think it might be easier for me to say that some of these characters have a lot of me in them but i you know i'm curious about you know you're much more plot driven than i am at least in, the, in 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 these books you know and and a, a mystery a, a unfolding a, you know like where where are you drawing from is this is this like are they coming up just out of thin air for you? Obviously you're pulling some things in your life, but you know, are are you, are you working out your demons through these characters or, or, or where are, they, where are they, where is it coming from?
1: Well, yeah, it's, um, I probably would have answered that question differently three or four years ago, um, before I was really, you know, I had to reckon with it, whether or not I was being asked, I was asking myself that question. Um, okay. you know, the, 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 The story is basically set along the beach in Southern California, which is where I grew up. Um, The backdrop is the local punk scene, which is something that I was involved in in my hometown. Um, And then, you know, we catch up in the story with Greg Salem being now in his late 30s, but still being involved in the local punk scene, like a lot of my friends growing up still are. They live down there. They're in board shorts and nothing else all weekend. They still hang out at a lot of the same bars and clubs that I used to hang out at, and they play in different versions of bands, or they go and see bands on the weekends. And it's like they set the template for this perfect life uh, that we all did. Um, I chose to leave and go pursue other things, and they continued to live there and pursue that lifestyle. And I became really fascinated with essentially what it would have been like if I had stayed. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that was really the genesis is. is You know, which guy would I have been? Would I have um, stayed in the local punk scene and, you know, been a a junkie uh, doing, you know, working 80-hour weeks pouring cement um, and then being sort of a local lunatic surfer? Or would I do what Greg did, which is to balance those things and then go get like a sort of semi-serious legit job, in his case, being a police officer because he's a bit of a control freak? Um, when I had mm-hmm. those two pieces of his personality, um, I knew I had something that I could kind of play with in terms of him reconciling yeah. the sort of punk punk rock reckless youth that he was with the adult that he's trying to become. And he kind of just can't pull it off, you know. Um, and then right. as I was writing that, I, I started getting a little bit like, okay, this, wow, I don't know if this is a mirror or just how I write about my uh, – the. How I filter my own experiences that uh, I was like, God, Greg's a little self serious. Um, so I created a sidekick for him who is, who is, um, uh, depending on when you met me in my life, probably a more accurate representation of me at my absolutely craziest in my 20s when I was embracing all of the drummer cliches, you know, and there are so many of them. Um, you know, he's got long hair, he says dude a lot, um, he's often shirtless, you know, he's let the guy likes to party a lot. Um, and so, uh, when I created Marco, um, then I had, I had this little duo that could go off that was interesting that I could easily write about cause we at least had a shared background. Um, and I could write about all the experiences they were having. And then it became really clear to me that I was like, I thought with Greg, I was writing about both sides of my personality, but in reality, Greg and Marco together represent a pretty accurate whole picture of who I am or who I've been. So that's a long way to answer your question.
0: No, it's yeah. a great answer and I bet I bet, you know, if you talk to a lot of authors they would end up with a similar answer. You know, I think even for me as I think about it, that's that's probably probably right for me too. And and I would probably say that in my music as well. It's like you kinda need to take the whole and you get the whole. <laughs> you know. Um Yeah, I like that. It's interesting. And it's cool to be able to do that with you know, through through two different people and and you know, I think it speaks a little to what I was saying about you know, maybe it allows you to kind of play up the the side, you know, because with with you, the sides balance each other, but with them they don't have to because that's who those guys are completely more, you know.
1: Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, I I can definitely push them to extremes, which is, you know, that's the fun in it. Uh, One of the dangers, though, in identifying um, where I'm drawing on to get those characters and who those characters represent in my head, um, is that there's a thing in mystery and crime writing, w- which is kill your do- darlings. So, like, it's a universe mm-hmm. where nobody's safe. <laughs> um, and yeah. so I have to al- also kind of always be be uh, aware that one of them might not make it out of this thing alive. And that creates an interesting tension for me in developing those characters as the series progresses.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, for for me as a as a songwriter, the killing, killing your darlings is always that moment where you have to chop off that lyric that you thought you loved, you know, but, but I hear it for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's cool. I like that idea, you know, that, that, that nothing is safe. Um, it's neat to create a fictional world where that, where that can operate.
1: Well, I mean, but you, you did that with your characters too. And, and I think you did a really fantastic job and I, and in my mind, I'm, I, I'm chalking this up to your being a songwriter because it's a very compact art form for the most part. Right. I mean, I mean, even with the styles of music that you're playing, you could go a little bit longer, but you're still talking about three, four, five minutes, generally speaking, to tell a whole story or to yeah, for know, sure. complete a thought. And and uh, I think that really comes across in your approach with Free Brontosaurus, because while I really connected to the characters uh, immediately, which I think is a, a thing that a good songwriter does, you have to get me in right away to care. Um Uh, And I wanted to know more about them. I didn't feel like I was being cheated out of information or that there was more that you were holding back. I was like, oh, it's a perfect little vignette of this person's life. And I know just enough to connect with them, um, which is a songwriting device in my head. Do you you feel like that's an accurate description of of how the stories are to you? I
0: I appreciate the description. Yeah, I hope so. And I mean, I I think that one of the things that, that was liberating for me is and and i I occasionally will teach songwriting and and, and story writing, and you know if I, when I'm on tour, I'll do workshops and and I think it's actually a pretty amazing technique uh, to even if you don't make a full story, but just to to do some journaling or to write a little bit of a tale before you then set down to write the song because it allows you and I'm sort of going from the opposite direction of your question, but from the songwriting perspective because I had the story, I didn't have to pack the song as much. I could be way more abstract. I could be way more emotional. Um, And I think the same was true about the story is I knew, I knew I was going to have the song. So that allowed me to be a little bit more efficient. Um, But yeah, I definitely think I, I, I can't help, but think as a songwriter. And so, you know, in my head is a certain economy for sure about, you know, what, what needs to get across and what doesn't. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm definitely still progressing as as a writer and, and you know, I learned a lot through this process. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think that it's, it's, there is obviously a, an art in what you don't have to, what you don't have to say and you choose not to say. And for me, I may not have been able to achieve that if I didn't get to say it in the other genre that I was getting to play. Right. Like, you know? um, so and, you know, the other thing, which is, which is really great. And, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe you get this just because you can go bang on your drums, but, um, but just being able to sort of bounce between creative worlds, like not be, you know, this right now, I'm not writing prose at all. I'm just writing songs. And, and when I hit walls, I, I, it's hard to know what to do with myself, you know, whereas when I was working on this project, I could just change cloaks and, uh, you know, put the guitar down, pick up the keyboard and that and that was great it It sort of although it was a similar space in my head, it was different enough that it kind of allowed me to keep working and still feel energized um,
1: Well, it sounds like you've been bitten by the bug, though I wouldn't be surprised if we saw more books from you.
0: <laughs> I mean, I would love to, I I, I would, I'd really like to work on a, on a children's project. Ironically, people, you know, when they look at the packaging for the Free Brontosaurus, they hear the title, they think it's a kid's project, but it isn't, uh, although it has kind of fantastical elements in it slightly. Um, but I wouldn't mind doing a straight up children's project with music. Uh, you know, that's, that would be an, an, a nice pairing, but man, kids, kids books are harder than, than you think. Have you ever done any, any, yeah. and you've, have, you've, you've have kids, you know?
1: Yeah, I uh, my my daughter actually keeps you know floating the idea of us writing a book together. She's very enthralled with the fact that I publish, and you know that's obviously great to come home to. That she's so excited with the thing that potentially steals time from me spending with her. But um, yeah, the you know the 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 idea of writing a book with her is very exciting to me. But I, I've been trying to be very conscious of letting her kind of dictate what that might look like because. I don't, yeah. I don't want to write a, a children's book that's full of punk rock and murders by mistake. So I'm hoping that she <laughs> can, that she can, uh, that she can you know, I'm like, it'll be great. It'll have a soundtrack. That's all drums. It'll be fantastic. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I, I'm trying to let her dictate that process uh, a little bit. I, I think it's fascinating. I think you definitely uh, should, should keep writing because I, I mean, I was, I was really, really into your characters and, and could see even some of them spinning off into other directions and, since you're somebody who uses a lot of forms to bring characters to life, I can imagine you coming up with something else, right? Maybe you're going to make a video out of one of them or a short movie or something. Um, there's a lot of places you could go with it. I was curious, you know, when I'm thinking about, you know, uh, how do you approach performing these songs live? Do you just weave them into your set and, and go like, Hey, this is a, one of the songs from this record and tell a little bit about the character. Do you play them in order? Like, you have a slideshow behind yeah. you that with, with a picture of the character? <laughs> that
0: would be cool. Uh, I haven't done that one. Um, we did have, We did have an animated, uh, very abstract watercolor animation done for the George story, which this is a song called The Wishing Well. And so we have played shows where we projected that, um, but it's very abstract. Uh, I do a number of things. Sometimes I just play the tune because definitely the songs stand for themselves and you don't need the stories. And, and I wrote that really intentionally. So um, I don't have to say anything, but um, sometimes I tell a little bit of, of the story and my favorite is to actually read. And I do that a lot at my shows. Um, I don't do many readings at bookstores, although I do a couple, uh, but I read anywhere from, you know, a 10 minute excerpt to just a number of like two page excerpts. And that's actually my favorite. And I I just realized that recently. I don't know when you read how, whether you have like standard chunks that you always read, but I kind of initially had three, eight or so minute, 10 minute chunks that I would choose from at different shows. And that was cool. Uh, And, you know, in the right concert, if it's a proper listening room or theater, then that's great. And, but in other shows, it's hard to keep people's attention. And it's, it's a much cooler thing to just do like four paragraphs, you know, and then lead into the song. So it it, it ends up being, I mean, almost more jazzy in, in approach, you know, like they don't get that much of the story, but they get a little bit. There's maybe one lyrical reference that I drop in the, in the passage I read. Um, and then it kind of just weaves through the, through the show. And if I'm playing with a band, they'll kind of vamp under my reading a little bit. Um, not too heavy handed, but enough that it, you know, sort of feels c- consistent with the rest of the music um and that that's been my favorite um, because when you do you know when you do get those moments where where you see the connection there's something so gratifying i think as a listener to you know to to make that to make that that connection and to hear you know in the the george the George song is a song called the wishing well and and you know there's a lyric about and now i'm left building bridges, if only in my mind you know and and so people who know that story they they get this whole other emotional rush at that moment in the song. Um, So there's the answer to that.
1: Well, Doug, it's interesting for you to bring up the sort of what you think is the right length to read in the various settings that you're in. Um, You know, a lot of the crime and mystery writers that uh, I've gotten to know since I started publishing, uh, you kind of just find your flock, I guess, to a certain degree. And, and a lot of them are former musicians. Um, Mm -hmm. and so we've all got this kind of shared background and, uh, I find that with those people, there's this different approach to, um, there's just more of a mindset of putting on a show, um, because it's, you know, in your DNA or in your experience like, if I'm up in front of a microphone, it's not enough in our heads anywhere, at least in my head to just simply read and expect people to be happy with that. Like, you know, I need to make them laugh or I need to gesticulate or whatever. And maybe that's hokey and corny in its own way, but But um, what I've found is I'm much more comfortable reading flash fiction. Um, Even when I'm promoting a new book, I like to read something that is a complete story so that people get a sense of resolution. Um, And so it's a bit of a crutch because I'll read the same stories over and over. Um, And, you know, I know our publishers listening into our conversation right now Um, (laughs) and I'm I'm trying to get better about reading from my books, I swear. Um, But, you know, I just, I've become a little bit addicted to, delivering something that feels whole that I don't have to set up, you know, okay, we catch up with Craig and Marco. They're on the trail in the Angeles national forest. So there's a bear, uh, just be aware there's a bear. Um, And uh, later on, you know, um, instead of just going, this story is called, you know, airplane mode and I'm just going to read it to you, you know? um, No, I I hear you. And and,
0: and that, that to me is, is, is a huge challenge because, you know, you, you have to, you don't always have like an inner arc within a, a good, section that has a, a mini completion and you know I was wondering about that I've two part question and then I don't know maybe we should re- try to wrap it up cuz no one will want to listen to the end of this but um the uh <laughs> you know the um so i guess my question was was one you know sort of what you're saying like how, how do you find uh within within a mystery uh, a, a section that would have you know, have its own arc. Obviously, not giving away anything, but enough that that piques people's interest. But but my my I think my real question is about music and you know whether whether your musical background how how much that sort of influences the the arc of of your storytelling and and whether like you know because. For, for me, and I, I don't know the punk genre well enough to, to to really comment on this. But for me, from a folk background, and and what the interest that I have in sort of songs that that do progress and tell a story is that there's like a nice symmetry to you know to to the way that I tell stories. But I, I guess I'm just curious about how you relate your your musical sense to to the way you pace and 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 the way uh, like reveals would be timed, say.
1: Yeah, I try, you know, it's funny, I actually thought about that a lot. I didn't think that I could do justice to Southern California hardcore music, um, unless I kind of really thought it through. And what I sort of landed on was uh, fast paced dialogue, sort of clipped sentences. And um, I try to make my chapters, whether this is weird or not, all sort of the same length. Um, because I feel like when you're listening to a hardcore record, like you know, whether it's like a minute and a half or two minutes, the songs are just like boom, 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 boom. And I really Mm -hmm. that's what I wanted to mimic in the rhythm of the writing and the the pacing of the story. Um, And then I also uh, I go a lot of places in chapters. Um, I'm trying to accomplish a lot. I don't just stick with a narrative that's like you know we started at A and we ended up at B 15 pages later. There's a lot of jumping (laughs) around. Um, because I wanted to also mimic the frenetic pace of the punk rock music that I grew up listening to. Um, and so that definitely did influence it. But that, you know, that's also very much a, a drummer thinking about rhythm. You know, um, yeah. If I had played different instruments, I, I you know, probably would approach it somewhat differently. But I'm, I'm very much thinking about like, you know, how staccato it feels or, or how, to, how to ratchet up the, the tempo a little bit with certain specific scenes mm-hmm. and trying to keep the dialogue tight. So, David, this has been fantastic talking to you, and I hope we get to do it several more times. Um, I do think we're up against the point with which people will put up with us chatting with each other. Um, (laughs) But I want to ask you the most important question um, that I have written down here based on your book, and I think this is the best way to end this because I think you have the answer. Okay. Do brontosauri have knees? (laughs) Ha!
0: Yes, they definitely do, but uh, <laughs> as you'll see, that's a big question for Russell in the first in the first chapter. So it's a, it's a good story. It's a good question. It's really important.
1: <laughs> David, <laughs> and, thank uh, you so uh, much. It was I'll, really a pleasure talking with you.
0: Yeah, likewise, and I guess we're signing off. So I'm David Berkeley. Uh, my latest book is The Free Brontosaurus, and its companion album is Cardboard Boat out on Rare Bird. And I'm uh, in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I'll see you out there.
1: And I'm SW Loudon, and I write the Greg Salem Mystery Series for Rare Bird Books. And the first book is called Bata Citizen Corporation. And the most recent book in that series is called Grizzly Season. So thanks very much if you've listened this long. And, David, uh, uh, I'll be sending you some emails. I have more questions for you.
0: I look forward to it, Steve. Thanks.